This is Docera Digest Podcast, breaking down health concepts. This podcast is brought to you by Docera Life Center. This innovative clinic is finding new solutions to the evolving challenges mankind faces in the 21st century. By utilizing cutting edge technology and testing, they find root causes and also offer treatment with energy and nutrition. What is the mission? To dynamically change lives for the better while impacting families for generations. The information shared directly or indirectly in the Docera Digest podcast is not to be understood as or misconstrued as medical advice. This information is not a replacement for your current health provider who is acutely aware of your current health state and course of treatment. Any information shared about a product or service discussed by any host or guest on this podcast is not to be interpreted as a doctor-patient relationship. We want to welcome you to another episode of Docera Digest. Today, we're going to be talking with Mike Mead. And Mike, you kind of have a uh, long story journey, don't you? <laughs> You've uh, owned businesses and taught business education. You owned a baseball cap manufacturing company. You owned Parrot Toys and even developed an educational seminar program for Rockwell av Aviation. You also know down here that when NASA put the space shuttle program out for kids, Rockwell lost the contract and Lockheed won it. And there were 800 workers with special skills that lost their jobs and there were no other jobs with the same job descriptions on the planet that they could apply for. So you uh, competed with three other outplacement companies and won the contract because you designed a program that addressed the unique nature of their job. So you've kind of had some unique experiences in your lifetime. But over the last 10 years, you've been involved with air purification, uh, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. So you also note that you've been very interested in human health uh, back to when you were selling uh, waterless cookware and learned how people were destroying vital nutrients by improper cook improperly cooking their food. So with that in mind, let me just kind of start it with, uh, the idea that it's often stated that the air quality indoors is often five to 20 times worse than outdoors. Why is that? Well, nature uses an ionization process that's activated by electrical storms, sunlight, things like this to regenerate the air. Remember, we do live in a bubble. We call it, we have an ion level. And so air particles are, have a chance to move. They're being reactivated day, day and night. Lightning hits this globe eight million times a day. Indoors, your air is trapped. And you, to understand air, you have to ask questions. I, I went through it. So what is air? Oh, most of it's nitrogen and oxygen. Well, what does it do? Well, it moves really, really fast. <laughs> the individual air particles inside your home are approximately moving approximately 1,600 feet per second. Wow. You can almost can't even comprehend that. But then again, you're a doctor and think about D a cell and you got DNA and you got three billion genes on, on, on the DNA. And then you got the ribosomes, you got the mitochondria, you got all that inside of a cell. Right. So it's not hard when you get down to, to understand. So as they're moving about, they're smashing into the wall, the ceiling, they're losing their ionization process of becoming positively charged. And they're pushing things around. We were at a, at a show here in Vegas last night and after it was over with, I looked up at the lights and there's all this dust floating all around the room. And I mentioned something to my friends. They go, we'll get ready to tell you that. I go, yeah, you're filtering that dust. You're filtering 200 pounds of that every 24 hours. 
Now, when you filter it, it gets very problematic when you get down to the small pieces. And we have to talk about what it does. So indoor air is really bad because it is bouncing around. But it's also hitting things. You've got the Wi-Fi. It's hitting your electrical. That's what's causing it to become positively charged. And everything in the universe goes from negative to positive. Think, think of all the, the functions in the cells that happen. I have sleep app. I mean, I said, but I have um, um, AFib. And that means that the ion channel in my heart is not working right between the minerals in there. And, and, and that's negative and positive and creating that. Everything is negative and positive. So if you have an environment that's too positively charged and it's taking the things you introduce, uh, let, let's take this recent pandemic we had. It's droplets. <laughs> it's an aerosol. That means it is dispersed through the movement of those particles until they gain enough weight and mass and fall through that through that environment and get out of your breathing space. And here's where it becomes a problem. Anything 2.5 microns and smaller has the ability to pass through the lung tissue directly into the bloodstream. That should send up all kinds of signals. I watch you, your, your videos you were talking about inflammation. That creates inflammation. When you deal with filters, and I don't know why we use filters. The reason we use filters is there is so much dust indoors. It is kicked around because it's air particle movement. Any appliance that has runs air through it has a filter on the intake. HVAC has a filter on the intake, and they say it's there to protect you. Oh, it's there to protect the machine. <laughs> you keep the crap off the machine so it doesn't duck down. <laughs> if it was there to protect you, it'd be on the supply side, not the intake side. Right. And so you have to ask these questions. So with all that flying, what are you doing to balance the air? Well, you, you mentioned ventilation. It is great to open it. I can tell you right now, look behind me. I have an air quality monitor behind me, and my CO2 level in this house right now is dangerous. As soon as I get off, I'm opening the doors and windows to get ventilation. I live in the desert, so the air conditioning is on. But right now it's saying it's 1136. It's in the orange level. It's not good. Now, no pe people don't know that, but that gives you foggy brain, things like this. And that's kicking all around the environment. So that's some of the problems of indoor air being bad because you've got it trapped and you're killing it. If you take good ionized air from outside and you run it through an HVAC system, for every two feet, you lose 20% of its pur purity. It's an astonishing fact. Okay, I mean, because it's hitting that electrical, it's losing ionization, all these things that we're used to. It's it, it's crazy, but that, you know, and when you do the research, it's all there in front of you. So that is what the problem is. I know it's a long-winded answer, but we've got to deal with it. Now, let's talk about a HEPA filter. HEPA filters have an efficiency factor that breaks down about 0.3 microns. Okay, that means they really can't filter anything 0.3 microns, and they use some wobbly 75-year-old statistical measures to claim what they captured smaller than that, which don't hold up anymore. And uh, guys, and you saw me speaking about it at a conference one time. I was showing them the latest data. And um, what's 0.3 microns? All viruses, <laughs> half your bacteria, <laughs> all your gaseous phase things, your microtoxins, your, you know, your VOCs. Your, oh, my gosh, it's unbelievable. And you're still breathing that 200 physical pounds of that every 24 hours going into your bloodstream. Your immune system goes, what's happening? What's going on? And you're overwhelmed. You guys are laughing because you work on this all the time with the parasites and the mold. And, and I appreciate what you do so much. It's the average person doesn't know. We are autonomically have to breathe. So we don't give it any thought. And if we could get people to understand that there's an absolute world of chaos, a perfect disbursement inside of a box. And we have to be careful of that. So 
that's that's why indoor air is a problem. And just having a filter, there's so many things you create with a filter. You create turbulence, slipstreams, uh, disbursements. You actually deposit more of the problems they found during COVID that they were depositing 90% of the COVID all over the environment in, on surfaces, walls, desks, things like this. They weren't filtering it. It never got to the machine because of turbulence and 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 puff clouds and things like it. It's, it's amazing when you get to it. So long, long, long answer. But just remember, you walk into a world of chaos. What are you doing to balance that world? So let me add to that here real quick, Dr. Caleb, interrupt you. So, so Mike, when we talk about atmospheric air, you know, the air that's on the planet in this bubble, we know that the, um, the NASA and them they have identified over forty different substrates or particulates that's in atmospheric air. And we always talk about the oxygen and the nitrogen, and those are the most key factors of what's in that atmospheric air. But I want to just touch on the point that 2.5 microns, that, and you made the statement, we become the filter, right? But what's interesting <laughs> yeah. about that is, I'm going to add just another thought to that. Not only are we becoming the filter, but we're becoming part of the transport system because we're breathing it in. It's going all the way through our cellular areas, and it's coming back out in the decarboxylated phase, and we're spreading it around again. So yes, we not only become a, a transducer, transconductor, we become a multiplier. We get sick in the process, but we're still spreading all that stuff around. And yet we wonder why a household will get sick. If one person gets it, two or three get it, pretty soon within a couple of weeks, everybody in that house, cats, animals, dogs, everybody have gone through that whole sick process. And it's like, we're going, How's that happen? And we all know, I mean, we as, as docs, we, we have families that, man, if somebody gets it, pretty much everybody in the family gets it because they don't have this filterization process or this cleansing process, and even their bodies can't do that. So it's kind of interesting to really stop and think about let that. Me, let me, okay, I, I, I'm going to gross out your audience and all of you, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to piggyback on what you said and tell you how clear you are, Ben. Imagine you're in a restaurant. I was in a restaurant last night with Prime Restaurant. Imagine you walk across this across the room and someone's choosing, uh, chewing, masticating their food. And you say, excuse me a minute, would you open your mouth and you reach in and you grab that food as they're chewing it, put it in your mouth and chew it. And what is more dangerous, doing that or breathing the air they're expelling? You just answered that question, Ben. Yes, and sir. When you say it that way, that is literally what's happening because you have stomach acid, you have all kinds of other things that could, could break that down if there was something wrong with it. But once it gets past, you know, the nose hairs, once it gets past the cilia in the lungs, it gets through. I mean, it can attach. And um, it's it's um, amazing. And people we just don't. Science is about asking the right questions. You guys know that. Look at all the testing you do, which I you know. So when I put that across to people, it grosses them out. But it makes them remember. <laughs> it does. And you're absolutely right. That was the point I was getting to. So, good. yeah, thanks. So, Mike, I remember last time I saw you was actually at the conference in Fort Myers, and that was actually recently before the big hurricane hit there, yeah. you know, right before it uh, kind of leveled a lot of places right by Sanibel Island and in Fort Myers area. And yeah. actually, when we were going over our mold um, uh uh, podcast, I had talked about a uh, report of someone who from that experience was heavily experienced or heavily um, exposed to mold because of how their house was affected. And um, it would be interesting to see kind of some of your topics or some of your thoughts on 
how the inside or indoors, you talked about it being a chaotic world, but what are some of the other things that make it even more chaotic? So mold exposure is one. We also talked about how I have four cats and you immediately said, here, here's a filter, you need this. <laughs> so kind of go into some of those aspects. What are some other things aside from, you know, the filters and just kind of how the airflow is manipulated, but what are some of the other factors indoors that actually make it much worse for us? Well, the, the biggest thing is that the, the, the molecules are constantly bouncing around, mm -hmm. you know, so fast. And that keeps things afloat much, much longer. You know, COVID could stay afloat for 24 hours in an in indoor environment. You know, they've now said this is they just come out. We, we know that uh, things like cat dander filters can grab cat dander. That's not a problem. But we know, you know, that that work in this field that what people are reacting to is proteins. That's really what they're reacting to. So even if you collect a pet dander, you can still smash into that pet dander, break it up, and then the protein comes back out through a filter. So you need to use some kind of ionization process. Since we know the indoor air is positively charged because it's lost the, the electrons in the outer valence circle uh, of the molecule, we need to balance that. So once we throw negative and positive up, they start to agomulate. They come together. And sooner or later, the little law of Newton's law of gravity takes over. That thing can fall through. Then just imagine all of these particles zip, 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 zip. zip. And as they zip, those things are kept up. Now, proteins can literally become permanently suspended. That means they never gain enough weight or mass to be able to fall through that chaotic movement and go to the floor. And so that's what, net, when you hear about ionization, that's literally what you're doing is you're trying to balance that. Now, one of the things they've come up with lately is bipolar ionization. And that means you're flooding a space with negative and positive. That's good, but some of us go, okay, that's interesting, but if the problem, if your space is too many positive ions, see, at sea level, the negative to positive is five to four. Now, net positive to negative, why, why isn't it one to one? Because the earth is negatively charged and like re charges repel each other. That's why you have to have rainfall to bring it back down. That's why the evaporation of water is so important for negative ionization. You know, we go to the beach, you feel better. Right after a thunderstorm, you go out and breathe the air, you feel better. That's your body being able to function with the process because we need that to function. Indoors, you can be 40 to 1, to 40 to 1. I mean, you don't know. And that, then it depends on what these other things are. You introduce cat, you know, dander, stuff like this. And it's it's very problematic. Dogs, everything else. So you have to somehow balance that environment. If you have a filter, really what you're doing is you're drawing the stuff through an area. And I tell people all the time, go ahead in nature and find me a filter. Find out when nature brings everything to a collection point and pulls out the bad things. And the things that are really bad for us go all the way down to 0 0.001 microns. And I see companies go and say, oh, yeah, we're and we can do that. Well, I go to the Consumer Electronics Show every January, and I interview all the companies that make air purifiers. I said, oh, show me your technology, and then I start asking questions. And I find a lot of it's sadly BS, you know, when you really get down to it. And you start asking the question, and they, they'll tell you, we just sell filters. So filters can capture some of that stuff like we were talking about. But when you get something like mold, and I'm going to go back that you guys have been getting this a lot, you doctors. Once you capture mold spores or you captured that filter, you're now creating a new place for it to grow. And then once it does start to uh, give out microtoxins, and from what I've been learning, because I've been doing more research on it, the microtoxin is the mold trying to protect its environment against other molds. 
So it's actually is a poison. And we have, you know, we have an affinity for that. And 25% of us have a gene that means we cannot recognize mold toxicity. So whether we have pattern recognition that we have is not there. So it gets deep into your body and, you know, you can't find it. And it's, it's so sad. That's why I keep coming back. The very first thing you have to do is once you've got it, stop breathing it. You know, you do have to detoxify. Yes, you do need to do remediation. But let's talk about what you just talked about, that very event that happened in Florida. At 8, 4 a.m., uh, a couple of docs that were there came up and spoke to me and thanked me for speaking. And I'm talking to a guy that had a um, mold remediation company out of Idaho. And he told me how much money they were making off the houses down in Florida. This was in December this past year. They make between ten and $30,000. How many people have that money? Let's take a break. Let's take someone who's an apartment dweller, uh, someone who is renting a home. Is the landlord really going to go in and do the remediation? Now, the testing is so expensive. You know, and that, and I, I'm concerned about those people because they lose time from work. Their family's sick. Ben, you were just talking about it. it spreads all over. It spreads through the air. What do we do about them? Their their quality of life has been compromised. You you guys deal with it so much. How do we protect them? But and that is how do we prevent make the air better so that hopefully the immune system can get kicked back in and take care of that problem. Yeah. You know, and, and that's you know it, I, I keep looking at it. Myself, once again, I'm a layperson. I ask a lot of questions. I have access to a lot of resources like you guys and others. So, you know, we've all been to these conferences. You've heard me speak. We talk about this stuff all the time. How do we help these people have better air? If you just open the windows sometimes, you know, and just get across ventilation, that will help. Provided you're not near a bag hydro, you know, not near agricultural, where they're spraying chemicals, <laughs> providing you're not near highways yeah. where they got hydrocarbons and all of that. So, you know, we're trapped in our little mm. boxes and we spend 90 percent of our times in an indoor environment. So you have to look at what do we do? Not negative ionization is one. The photocatalytic oxidation is something that's been around since was founded in 1979. That's what our machines do. And, and that's one of the things you want to do is protect the air the same way nature does. We know it works. And so we just bring it indoors, you know, in, in a safe, make its environment safe. I think it's very important that you touched on the fact of, you know, apartment dwellers and, you know, landowners not coming in doing what they need to, because that's actually what happened in that case that I was talking about. The person actually ended up dying. Now they had asthma really bad and they were, you know, had more susceptible to it, but they had gone to their landlord several times and he ended up going to the ER three times. The third time he didn't make it out. So it was it was really sad reading through that. But um, you also kind of brought up another point, you know, or just kind of uh, prompted another thought within me is, you know, there are people who struggle, especially this time of year, being outdoors because of allergies and other things like that. What are or do you know of any simple solutions or simple ways that people who, you know, are poor or can't really handle getting the right things that they need to purify the air is there anything they can do to maybe help themselves out? Because if they're not safe outdoors and they're not safe indoors, then they're not safe at all. So do you have anything that would help with that? Uh, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have had that problem. I remember one time we had overshipped some machines to some people and I had to go down in Eugene, Oregon and collect some of the machines that we had overshipped. And I was talking to one lady and they suffered horrible outside allergies and everything else. And, uh, 
and we were out by the fence talking and she said, look, I, I really appreciate it, but it's seasonal now, it's springtime and I, the allergies are killing me. I'm going back indoors where I know I can breathe because I'm not your machine. So first off, yeah, you can go get an inexpensive filter and that, that's a good way to do it. Uh, and that will capture your larger things, okay? And you want to get, get through the air. Uh, you want to get the things in there, try to get rid of them. But just realize the things that are most dangerous are the ones that get smaller and smaller and smaller. They can't be filtered. And and it, when you break down these filters, they have four stage filters. And where I have where I have some concerns is on what's called the diffusive stage. They they use kind of wonky. Um, you guys, if you don't mind, I, I want to explain Brownie in motion for for your people. Brownie in motion is when those air particles are moving as a molecule, they will hit these other things and knock them around. So that's what keeps them floating. It's called Brownie in motion. You know, it's, I think a doctor, Dr. Brown in the 1870s. And we didn't know any what it was until Einstein in 1905 told us about, you know, molecules and atoms. Then we understood what it was. So that stuff is kicking around. So how can you get that stuff down? If you create a draft by, you know, like I said, with the CO2 here, I can open the doors and in 10 minutes drop it down to a safe level. Uh, I don't feel the effects. So that's one of the things you want to create. Cross ventilation would help. Um, once again, don't be near a highway, <laughs> that type of thing, because you're inviting other things in. Make sure you're not, whether chemical, whether out there, or once again, you're talking about the allergy. Uh, what people need to do is do some deep breathing, quite frankly, learn how to do that. Because sometimes we do shallow breathing, which means that we're not getting enough oxygen into the body. You don't have much oxygen. It's important. I was telling people that were wearing masks, you know, I said, look, when you get that mask off your face, do at least four you know, it's called box breathing, you know, deep breathing to try to reactivate the oxygen, expel the CO2, uh, because there is there was an effect on that. We know that. And uh, but they didn't teach people that, you know, as soon as you take that mask off, that's what you should be doing. So when you when you got out there with with this thing, you've got to find something in the house, get some kind of ionizer. OK, you can use salt lamps if you want. As long as you're throwing negative ions, that's going to cause these particles to come together. And that's and drop them down. You know, our machines do that, too. There, there are others, you know, besides ours. You know, I love trying, but there, there's other machines that do that. Um, some filters. But how do you recharge the air and make it clean again? That's the idea. And, and if you don't have anything else, you got to open the windows. You got to do something like that. So. All right, thanks. So, Mike, you and I met in 2020 spring break in Denver. Colorado, yeah. right as everything fell apart in the world is quite interesting how especially Denver became that major yeah. area there. And and you had four different things that you could utilize to protect yourself. And I wasn't in a state because I was just starting my own clinic then. And you had the big air cleaner and that wasn't quite going to work for where I was, but I was able to buy the smaller one room filter. And boy, I tell you what, we ran two of those in the two rooms we were using at the clinic we were in the entire time and i said wow that stuff really works and now we have the big one because we have the full clinic with all the doctors there and and it's amazing because it's funny because i have patients that actually come in and go i just love the way your clinic smells i'm going i don't smell anything <laughs> you know i mean it's like you know just it, it has no you, you odor to it but they're like i just love the way it smells in here i'm like okay <laughs> so it, it's amazing and and we have that running all the time in the clinic it keeps it clean keeps the air moving and so I'm, I'm a big fan of the product there so but the nice thing is you you do have four different offerings here you actually have the the necklace which i love traveling the thing on the airplanes that sits there and it cleans the air around you what you're breathing in you have the smaller mm -hmm. one that you can put in your cup holder. 
And that one's great. I think you have one on your desk yep. right now in your room yep. right now. And then you have the plug-in one for the wall that you can refresh. And then you have the larger unit there. So when we were talking about people who may not be able to afford you know, the big unit, they're in apartments. They may not need something quite that big. There's a lot of different offerings there mm -hmm. to help people get into that state there. And so that's one thing I've always liked about it. And all your products are work tremendously. So, yeah. And see how that helps. Yeah, yeah, just turn this just a little bit, see if you can see it. Yep. Okay. I'll turn it down. There Here's you go. The you got them all right there. Right there. there you uh, go. I wanted to really show you, this is a big one you're talking about. Yep. And, and this uses four technologies. It's basically the same technology that NASA created for space travel. And, and here's the problem that they dealt with. Uh, like, you, you know, I, I worked with them at one point, not them, but with Rockwell Aviation, which ran the space shuttle. They're a big problem solving group. What they want to do is if we go to Mars, how do we feed the astronauts? Because we have to grow our own plants. And if we grow plants, plants give off ethylene gas, ethylene gas kills plants. <laughs> and so it becomes a conjuring. So they talk to the University of Wisconsin who had a space lab and they say, hey, there's two doctors in um, University of Tokyo. This was 1979. And they're working on something called photocatalytic oxidation. Check it out. And what it is, is you're using sunlight the same wavelength as sunlight, basically 254 NMs, shining it onto a reactive catalyst called, called titanium dioxide. That's that light you see inside there. There's tubes of it because it gives us 16.2 times more catalytic reaction. So when the light shines on that, imagine that you've got electrons are released and they're bouncing up and down like buzz saws. So when O2 and water vapor come through there, those molecules get ripped apart and they become individual particles. Well, those particles can't exist by themselves, so they immediately join up as free radicals. Uh, O2 negative, which is oxygen we breathe with an extra electron. OH negative, which is hydroxyls, so you also have hydrogen peroxide. And they go into the environment. Remember, the environment's moving, the molecules are moving to approximately 1,600 feet per second. They go out and move just as fast because they're the same molecules. And as they do, they bump in and they engage and they actually scrub and clean the air. Ben, you mentioned about stuff falling to the ground. It'll actually go down to the carpet and destroy those molecules that are bad for you. And that type of thing. Uh, right here is called a negative ion generator. So we're flooding the space with negative ions. I mentioned earlier about bipolar. The problem is getting back to a balance, trying to have a balanced negative and positive in the environment. So if you're constantly putting negative and positive into an environment that is already overwhelmingly positive, you are bringing it back a little bit but you're not doing everything you should do. So there's a little battle now in the industry about bipolar and negative because bipolar, they actually attract particles, give them weight and mass, drop them down. So there's negative and positive. So, you know, the, what's the best way? Uh, it's always by coming up with these buzzwords that you can sell. Uh, then we also have an ozone plate in here. So if we want to do remediation, maybe we do have mold and we want to attack it with O3, which is the second best disinfectant on the planet. Uh, you can do that. And then we have something inside here called an ion antenna. I talked to you about those very, very small particles, things that are trapped in there. You can you have to vibrate those things so that when you throw the negative charges out, they can agomulate and come together. And that's what the ion antenna does. Think of it like a Wi-Fi wi signal that has no effect on you, but it goes through and it, it involves those particles because when you get on a quantum basis, um, you've you got to do something about those very small particles because Proteins. I mean, you, you all know what proteins do. That's what how we carry out our bodily functions. This is the one you were talking about that on the desk. <clears throat> this is called our GOV. You push the button and the blue light comes on. Now I have negative ionization. 
So I'm balancing the environment around me. So as things are coming into it, they're crashing together. I'm protecting the space about nine cubic meters. Think about 27 feet. What it does. If I have Otis, my daughter uh, and her uh, her husband have a toro business where they rent um, the cars, and sometimes they'll come back with Otis. So they'll push it down for five more seconds. It'll turn orange, and then for 15 minutes you have ozone. And ozone will break down those odors very quickly. They had a problem where one person had left the windows open in Florida. That's where they're at. And the plate came back smelling really bad. So they put the big machine in there and knocked all the smells out of the car. Now, the one you were talking about, Dr. Kaisen, was this one. This is what we call our mini. And this has three buttons on it. Uh, you plug it into the wall. It's constantly producing negative ionization to try to make the air cleaner and drop some of those problems. And it is putting low levels of ozone. Now, this is what got me so deep into this. When we had other machines and we were selling them, we would show pictures and we'd have examples of older machines and technology. This kind of technology started about 1986 being introduced into the homes. And people said, well, it produces ozone. And I, everything I read said, well, ozone's bad for you. Uh, yeah, in high quantities is. So is oxygen. Uh, in small quantities, you don't have it indoors. And that's one of the reasons why we have the mold and stuff. You have nothing that's remediating or going and attacking the mold. So low levels of ozone is very good. And I'm sure you guys know as well as I do, many doctors who are actually using ozone injections to treat everything like infections, cancer. <laughs> so if it's that bad, you know, it's about using things properly. And that's what got me studying this and really going, why is this? And that's why I had to start asking the question. I can't trust some of the information coming out. So let me go back to the first principle. What is there? What does it do? And just kept following that. Uh, this is the last one. This is the one that fits around your neck. Now, I keep talking about uh, negative and positive uh, attracting. Now, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, I got this thing. It puts our negative ions and I wear it around my neck. And I go, oh, no, please don't do that. It's the worst thing you can do. You don't want to attract the stuff to your face because that's where you're breathing. This actually puts our positive ions. You understand? Anytime you take two magnets and you put them together and they have the same polarity, energy is created and they repel each other. By the way, as an aside, that's what keeps the air particles moving indoors. As they come close to a similar charged particles, they exchange that energy and keep bouncing off. That's why you have perfect disbursement of gas in a box. Remember, your home, your office, your business, it's a box. And the, uh, the air particles are gas and they will perfectly diffuse. People say, well, I only have a problem over here. I said, oh, no, you don't. If you think it's, if you think that's it, that might be the point of impact or the point of disbursement. Uh, but if it's there, it's all over. And I will explain to people about particles moving. I'll go back quickly. But particles moving in the air, bouncing around. And then they'll say, well, how's it get from room to room? I'm going, where did I lose you? If it's <laughs> bouncing off the wall, it's 1,600 feet per second. So I asked them this question. I said, is there any place in your home that you cannot breathe oxygen. They'll think a minute ago. No, of course not. How did it get there? It comes from outside. It's created by photosynthesis. You know, it's not. What have you got in your house creating enough oxygen to keep you and sustain you? I said, go in your bedroom, shut the door, get in a fight with your spouse, shut the door, stay in there for a week. How come you don't respire from lack of oxygen? The air might get stale, but it's still going to find a way in there. You can't stop it. And, and this is, and I know I'm belaboring this, but if I can get people hearing this to understand, Okay, this is going on with or without me. I can't control it. How do I understand it and manage it? That's the biggest thing. And so those are the four products. So we basically say 
We can protect you anytime, anywhere. The big machine puts out enough molecules to impact an environment of 3,000 square feet, two stories high. He goes, well, how do you do that? I just said the molecules are moving 1,600 feet per second. It doesn't <laughs> take much to go through there. So you have to put it together. And so they're saying this, like I said, the, 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 the cup holder one, this will cover a, a pretty good space. A lot of people use them in hotel rooms. You use in an office. I'm using it more and more because this is a new, we've had it for two years. I'm used to using this one. And anytime I'm in a bad environment and I don't use this, I get something. I was in Hawaii back in uh, January doing a show and someone loaned me a hospital, I mean, a, a room there, which, you know, it's really, it's nice if you can get it free, but they had one of those uh, air conditioners and it was putting out a bad smell. And I kept forgetting to plug that in. I paid for six weeks worth of coffee stuff up. And I'm going, you idiot, you understand this. <laughs> and this one on the, on the plate, I, I will give you, let me give you a little bit more tip. Uh, every time something happens, I do a lot of research. I was trying to figure out why we were not having more of a problem with SARS-CoV-2 on airplanes when they were using HEPA filters. Because HEPA, HEPA filters are really not that good. They're not really going to capture that, that virus. I'm sorry. So let me go you a little bit further. What they actually do, the planes do, is once they're up, up and off the ground, they replenish the air in that tube every two to seven minutes. So it's a complete negative charge. The other thing that they do is the air doesn't go from front to back. The air goes top to bottom. So you're in zones. So you're actually, you're actually almost more safe on the airplane than you are in the airport because the airport doesn't have that. And once you get, and that's about, okay, what's going on and, and, and get into, so if I can, let me try to step on something right now for your people. We're talking about toxicity. You remember when we were all locked down and we're finally going out, they were spraying these chemicals all over the place, you know? And so I, I looked at it and I said, let me see what that bottle is. And I, cause I know if we were spraying something down. I know it's in the air and I'm breathing it. I know if I'm going to sit there, that chemical is going to be off gassing in my face. So I want to know what it is I'm breathing. And the majority of it is something called quaternium ammonium chloride. Okay, quats. Then you're going, yeah, you know, a very, very, very dangerous chemical, extremely dangerous. Uh, Clorox wipes, uh, 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 all those. You should never touch those things without gloves on your hand, uh, even if it's out of 1% solution. You know, what is it? Let me give you a little background on it. It was actually invented in the late 1930s by a German scientist. What it does, it does the same thing that hydroxyl radicals do to destroy a virus or bacteria. On a virus, you have a lipid encapsulated protein. It has an electrical motif. So if you have an electrically charged particle that attaches to it, if that particle is hungry for oxygen or hydrogen, like hydroxyl radicals are, they create a rift, they rupture it, and then oxidize the product. Same thing with bacteria. Well, those chemicals do the same thing. They use an electrical process. But instead of the byproduct being CO2H2O, it's like, suppose you had a fly and you wanted to kill a fly. You use a fly swatter, a piece of paper. Would you take a sledgehammer and smash it? No, you wouldn't. I'm playing golf a couple of years ago, February, right when the shot started with one of the top nuclear, uh, uh, nuclear molecular biologists in the country, consults with the CDC. I, he, I knew who he was, and someone said, hey, I know you want to talk to this guy, Richard Rodwin. So we got talking about all the stuff that was going on, and I brought up the word quats. He slams on the car. He looks at me and goes, that is the number one reason why we have super germs on this planet, because when you do it chemically, those germs have to mutate. Now, why is it used? Why is it accepted? 
I'm going to go back because uh, guys, and you did a good presentation about Gibson Boyd and the late teens and going into the 50s and everything. We have to understand them what that. In the early 70s, we created the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. But we did not fund it to do any research whatsoever. So we found ourselves in a quandary, being we, the American people in the government. There was 60,000 chemicals out there that had never been really studied. Okay, it was unbelievable. And so in 1976, they passed the Toxic Substance Act. And they basically said, there's 60,000 chemicals. God bless you, they're good. Well, business, oh, wow, now we got these great cheap chemicals. One of them was called glyphosate, which was invented and created in 1974, which was a derivative of Agent Orange, okay? <laughs> and then we, we go on like uh, protonic acid, the bonding agent. That All of these things are in the air. Yeah, when you use glyphosate, it does go in the soil. It does get caught up into the plants. We eat it. We know that. But anytime you spray anything like that, it is still getting into the air because you can't stop the air particles from moving and pushing those things around. And I, I know I keep hitting this and hitting it, hitting it. And I'm not trying to scare people. I'm trying to inform. It's so critical. That stuff is always out there floating. It's always going around. The concentration, if you have a compromised immune system, and I've heard you all the time, you need to calm it down. The immune system can do a tremendous thing, but you've got to give it a break. Okay. And all of these chemicals and stuff, like when people say, I, I cringe when I watch a TV commercial and they're going, Febreze, Febreze. Oh, my Okay, hair freshers. I'm going, when was a human body designed to breathe that in and function? Please explain it to me. You know? So, Mike, so, we talk about the aspect of what happens in the lungs, right? The right. average adult breathes about 24,000 times a day, right? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. one of the four ways in, one of the four ways out. Now, as we've mentioned earlier, in between those two, you're the filter or we're the filter, all right? And yeah. what I'm going to do, I just want to piggyback on a couple of things you just brought up there and talk about a couple other things. One, there's over 115,000 known chemicals that are airborne or are able to go through the air and such things as Febreze and, and all these other aspects we're talking about. We also forget the tires and we forget the petroleum in the tires. And we always, I always, always laugh about this, but I go, why do we have to replace our tires so often? Where does it go? And you mentioned this earlier about being close to highways, but you stop and think about in the last hundred years, how many tires have been produced on this planet and where all that rubber went? It's in our air, right? And so now we're breathing this stuff in and it's causing all these other problems. When I look at the essence of what happens in that atmospheric air and our ability to breathe or not breathe, our ability to break things down or not break things down, and we're talking about the significance of having pure air or clean air or vibrant air that we can inhale to actually turn our life back on, without these devices, it doesn't exist. And, and we think about in some of the, you know, the, uh, the houses that are staying closed up all the time. We tell people at least once a month, you should open all the doors and all the windows. I don't care how cold it is. I don't care how wet it is. We should get that air moving throughout the house. And I have all those devices myself. I've been using these devices for years. You and I have been talking about this stuff yeah. for years, yeah. right? And when we look at the essence of what these devices do, we still have to clean those devices as well. Just like the filters, we have to replace our filters depending upon your environment, you could easily replace the filter every two, four, six weeks. 
to be very beneficial for the air that's in that house and moving that stuff around. So what are your recommendations on how we keep, I guess, cleaning our own environment, right? And we've talked about on the mold issue, whether it was in a building, a work environment, but we live in a house or an apartment or something, even if it's a mobile home or whatever you want to call it. How do we keep that environment for at least when we're sleeping, you know, six, eight hours a day, which is one third of our breathing capacity? How do we clean all that out? And what's the significance that you see from all the research that you've looked at from this? Well, one of the things you have to do, and it goes back to maintaining moisture control. So you you need to have, I live in the desert. I live just outside of Vegas and Henderson. So we don't have any of the type of mold problem that you have up in the Northwest where I lived before or in Florida where I lived for 35 years. So one of the things you have to do is control your relative humidity, okay? And get something in the house and, and try to bring it down. I think you want to be at right around 55. So if you don't have enough, you do need to put some moisture into the air. <clears throat> if you don't, you need to, to, to break it out. So that will prevent the buildup. If you have some type of machine like ours that is actively putting solutions into the air, that's going to help you a lot. Okay. And if anybody knows, I, I'm sure you'll probably give us a website. We have all types of videos to explain how to use the machines, how to set them up. But more importantly, to go over some of the principles I've been talking about, we've got a video there. We've got a phenomenal video on ATP surface testing because you can literally check for biological load in an environment using an ATP surface test. Uh, that's what hospitals use, meatpacking plants. And you do a swab test or something like that to determine what your uh, what, what the presence is, you put it into a one-time solution, shake it up, put it into a handheld monitor. They're not cheap. I mean, like $1,500. And then you get what a lot of people don't realize is when ATP is converted, when that's broken off and the ATP is converted into energy, it creates a bioluminescence. And from that bioluminescence, you can determine the amount of biological load. You will not know what the biological culture is. Now, you notice I keep saying biological. Okay, I'm not saying viral because viruses don't use ATP. So I, I would be remiss if I made a dumb statement. So we're talking about the biological load. So in a hospital, you want that load to be below 50. And um, in, in, in a food service area, in a hospital below 30, a patient's room below 25, an operating room below 10. And that's determining the sediment that's coming from the air. It falls down the surface. We actually went into a dental office back in summer of 2020 when everything's going crazy they had already sprayed it down with quats and all that stuff according to the epa it was supposed to be very clean we went into the sample we found a load of 108 it should have been under 33 and the dentist was got we put our machine in on a friday afternoon came back sunday nobody had been in there no aerosols had been created we had dropped the load down to 28. one week later with one week we dropped the load to 25. Now, I'm trying to work with some some doctors now, and I think put that to you guys. There are mold tests. And once again, you can test yourself with them called uh, gotmold.com. And I'm talking to Jason Earl, a uh, brilliant guy who's, who suffered from all kinds of mold toxicity, compromised immune system because of fungi. And he's got a machine that can pull the air and do a mold test very inexpensively for people. You can do three rooms in the house plus one outside. You have to always do outside for... I think it's $299, which is very inexpensive. And in that cost, it already does the sampling for um, the mold to determine. You want to determine what the outside load is and then make sure it's not the same as indoors because then it's, it's environmental. <clears throat> and some rooms might have more concentration. Let's expressly say a bathroom or a basement 
you know, we might have more concentration. And so what we're doing is we're trying having some people test and I already know where they're going to come back for us. As they go in, they put they pull a mold test and then immediately put our machine in for 24 hours and pull, pull another mold, air test, send them both off to the lab. And it'll be just like the story I was telling you before about uh, the doctor that had a patient that had all kinds of mold, went in and did Petri dishes, all mold. Uh, they, she couldn't afford anything, so she bought our machine, put it in to protect her environment. Then the insurance company came in, you know, did all the examination, found mold all over the place, pulled an air test. There was no mold in the air, no microtoxin. If it's not in the air, how are you going to get it in your body? Unless you're going to go on the floor and eat it, or you're going to get a straw and sniff it off the floor. <laughs> then you got bigger problems than I can help you with. You know, <laughs> but, you know it, it's just a lot of this stuff. It's just kind of said, think about it. And I don't mean to be scared. I keep coming back. To, don't be scared about it. Be knowledgeable. We've had three years of scares and stuff that was ridiculous. When they came out and said it's droplets, I'm going, huh? <laughs> can you have that spread? And then when you talk to them, anytime you have a viral aerosol, there's nothing you can do. You can't stop. You know? And you know how you talked about uh, how people, all these things get in people. Ben, you mentioned something before the camera about uh, essential oils. Okay. If you don't mind, I, I wanted to address that very quickly. Just to get this idea across, and I've actually tested it. I have a diffuser here. Um, remember, I keep talking about the things in the air and things bouncing back and forth are kept in the air longer than they should be. And if you breathe them in, it can be problematic. So here's what you do. You take the diffusing oils and you crank them up and you get them up into the air. And um, I can look at mine air particles. I have no air particles floating. If I use a diffuser oil and I don't have the HVAC on, it'll shoot up to 280. 200, 300, something like that. That means I have all these particles in the air. Now, what are these oils? The oil. So if you have contagions or contaminants in the air, they're going to smash into each other, right? And what's going to happen? Now you have a perfect, absolute delivery system of an oil to bond it all kinds of ways in the human body. Okay? And it's amazing when you come to that and you think about it and you go, whoa, okay, so the essential oils could be very good providing they're not bond if you have good air. <laughs> so yes. when I tell these companies to do that, so I had this hypothesis and, and this theory, and I was in Bend, Oregon. I'm talking to someone at the show and a very bright gentleman, and as, as you guys know me, somebody's going to listen. I'm going to go deeper on the science. And finally asked him, I said, by the way, what do you do? He said, I have a, a PhD in microbiology and I create oral delivery drugs. I said, I have a theory for you. <laughs> so I laid it out to him. He goes, that's exactly how we get the drugs in the body. We attach it to the oil. Right. And what was one of the things that everyone was talking about, about the, you know, the messenger RNA shot, lipid right. oil, the fats, same thing, the fats. you know, so you get that. And that's, I just point this out once again, not to scare, but to be informed and ask the question, you know, if someone says something like I was giving a blood draw, you know, uh, for some, some testing during COVID and they had the mask and they were spraying the chemical. I said, can I see that bottle? And I look at it and I said, do you see what you've got here? You got a mask on, but you're spraying poison. They, they threw me out of the office. They wouldn't do it for our job. They asked me to leave. And if I didn't, it would call security. I said, I'm trying to help you. The other thing we talked about before we went on camera about the essential oils, because one of the things we, we notice is, and the affectionate term is oilers, and you can smell them when they walk into your office. I mean, I can be five offices, um, offices back and go, eh, an oiler just walked in. Why? They have a putrefied <laughs> smell on them, and we call that the putrefied uh, aspect of the lipids or the fatty acids that are broken down. And that was the reason I wanted to ask that question, is because if you're going to use essential oils in a diffuser, 
you better have clean air to begin with, right? Bingo. Otherwise, Bingo. otherwise Bingo. you are perpetuating both a solution and a pollution. And pollution will always win because solution gets used up, but pollution perpetuates itself. All right. So that was the essence of why I was I, I wanted to bring that up in this. So the other thing that's really, really critical that I as I'm hearing all this conversation is if you're not doing nothing, guess what? You are the filter. You are the problem. Yeah. yeah. And it isn't that they're going to get better. They're going to get worse. So part of our solution in trying to find all the best ways to benefit our clients and our patients and their health is what is so commonly taken as just normal place, and that's breathing. 24,000 times a day, we're breathing, and we never question what we're breathing in, let alone, as you've brought up, what we're breathing back out. And once our filter fills up with all these poisonous conditions, these toxic components, we become the spreader. We're no longer the filter. So I appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, Ben, years ago when you and I first met, we started talking. We've had this connection ever since, and we talk the same language. Exactly. It's very <laughs> And you are very right about that. Now, how, how do you, when I keep saying 200 physical pounds of air, the reason I do that is you take how many breaths you get, and you breathe in 2,500 gallons, uh, and you take a gallon of air, you put a vacuum on it at sea level, you have to have this, and then take that vacuum off and weigh it again, you know, weigh it, empty it back, back, weigh it again, multiply that times 2,500 gallons, you come up with 200 pounds of air. Right. Okay. And that's providing you're not exercising. That's just Bingo. normal. Normal breathing. Air. Right. Yeah. Right. Doing that. And, and you are the filter. And, and that's what's so critical. And then like last night, it was so dramatic when I pointed out. I said, look at all. And, and my friends, you know, the guys I play golf with, he hears this all the time. He goes, yeah, we're filtering that. <laughs> and if I can get people to understand it, you know, it's like, let's go talking about going in and play. If you walk into a restaurant, let's say like this past year was really bad for flus and viruses. So you go into a restaurant and the restaurant's very, very clouded, crowded. What should you do? Let's talk about protection. Look around and look at how high the ceilings are. Look at how wide it is. Look how close the tables are. And just think that in that, people are putting viral loads or off-gassing into that environment, and it's being dispersed. How much room does it have to disperse? So that's why when you were talking about using this thing, guys, and this is very good in those environments. As a matter of fact, uh, my business partner's uh, wife is on her fourth bout of cancer. Uh, she's a victim of glyphosate. and her 20s, she was told she'd be dead in six months. She's in her late 60s. She unfortunately believes very, very much in allopathic medicine and gets chemo every two to three weeks. I've known them for be five years this August. That's been going on that whole time. This woman has no immune system. You know, radiation, she gets a lung drained every other week, too. She's not had a cold or a flu since they've had our machine in her house. Now, that's anecdotal. I'm not saying it's going to do that. It's just been very fortunate. But one of the things I went there one time and he was cleaning it and I noticed all this black soot in it. I said, Randy, are you burning candles? Well, yeah, Linda's very sensitive to smells. I said, you do understand what you're seeing in there is also in your lungs. I mean, I bet I'm trying it. They never burned another candle in the house. <laughs> but you see, that's how we don't think about those things, because that's putting that stuff up in the air. It's diffusing. It's so fine. You know, you, I mean, I ask people all the time, when you see dust floating in the sunlight, the human eye only sees about 10 microns. And I've already told you 2.5 is the threshold. Point three is, you know, the, the get lost for the HEPA filter, you know, technically. So you, you, I, mean, I ask people all the time, you ever had the cold or the flu? Yeah. See the bug that got you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Mike, uh, we've talked a lot about mold today. Uh, one of the other things, so those of you who haven't listened to our mold series, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. That'll tie in a lot more with what we talked about today. We also talked about in our parasite series how through a lot of different studies, they found roughly 80% of parasite infections are inhaled as well. So yeah, talking boy. about the things that are in the air that we get exposed to and you know, people yeah. don't even think of it that way, but there are more than just proteins there are actual eggs and Bugs. parasites float through the air and you can breathe them i remember hearing a study about during all the mass situation where parents collect all the masks and send them into a lab to show what their kids are actually rebreathing in and parasites was a huge one people are just baffled by that how many parasites showed up in these kids mask and so that's that's a big part of keeping this air clean and keeping it where everything drops for you can kind of clear that out there. So it, it's a big deal here. We're going to have a link below um, this video. So if you guys are interested in more of the science and and they have a great website, all kinds of information on there. And if you want to order a product off there, you can as well. Uh, we highly encourage it because of what we deal with as doctors mm -hmm. and what we see in our clinic and having good clean air. And Mike, it's been absolutely phenomenal having you here because us trying to take this information and bring it back to our patients in the in the few minutes that we have with them, it just won't work that way. Now we can at least say, hey, go watch this video. Mike will, Mike will educate you on a lot of <laughs> stuff here. So I, I'm glad to have this resource as a video to even be able to post and to uh, send to our patients for that. So any that, last questions, I, guys? That, 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 means, that means a lot to me. It's I. I've been on a mission to try to work through doctors, and I know you are some of our referring physicians, and we really appreciate that. Uh, you've got a link where your patients can save 20%. I encourage you to do that very much so. Uh, get it, try it. Everything that you buy from us has a 30-day return. I, I do warn you, we don't get them back, you know, because it is <laughs> dramatic. But I, I tell people that because they want to have a safe thing, and it, it's difficult. Here's Let me sum it up this way. You have two ways you can clean your air, guys. You've been asking a lot. You have what's called a passive or an active. Passive is where you have to take the air and pass it through a device, pull out the bad things, and send out clean air. Okay? Imagine it to be like having a mouse problem. And so you lay around a whole bunch of mouse traps, hoping that little idiot will go over there and kill itself. <laughs> Actually, I have been doing more research. I found that there's some mice... They even know to trigger a mouse trap. They'll put something in their mouth like a twig and trigger it and then get the cheese. It was the most amazing thing that they're like. Or you can buy, if you, if you want to get rid of the mouse, you can buy a hungry cat. That's, it. That's what we call active. It will go. <laughs> That's what our machines are. They're not bringing the air in trying to capture. We do have a filter on the machine because there's always crap in the air. Right. You know, I mean, the stuff that we put out, it doesn't, not like a movie set where you go, whoop, drops all down at one time. It, it's it's constantly doing it. it has to gomulate people notice that first day or so that wow where'd all the stuff come from <laughs> then that's right. what they were filtering exactly. buddy. <laughs> right. exactly Absolutely. i point that to people all the time and they go well i want something that'll pick it up i go okay i'm going to give you two options you can either breathe it or walk on it you tell me what's going to be the better solution i want to add one last thing is uh, i always ask my patients or clients to go where are the two most smelly places in your house besides your trash cans your bathroom and your kitchen. Absolutely. I have one of your small micro airs. I have one in my bathrooms. I have one in my kitchen. Plus, I have the whole device running in my house. I have one in my office. I have one for my car. I have one from RV, whatever. I mean, if you understand how significant this really is, the fact that you're breathing 24-7 and you're breathing either crap in or crap out, you want to find some way to get it cleaned up. So That go yeah, model, down. that portable Calm go. Calm down the immune system. Give the immune system a break.
It's like exercising. You have to break. Yeah. Absolutely. That portable. Guys, uh, I, I, I've enjoyed it. I hope I've answered your questions and it's informative. Yes. So that portable go system that you have works very well on the back pocket of your airplane seat in front of you. Turn it on. You're not just protecting yourself. You're basically doing half of it. It worked great. I mean, we were coming back from Florida. I put that bad boy in there. I kicked it on and it went to work. And we probably were helping a lot of people on the plane. They didn't even know it. So. I, had some, I had some people, some people tell me they took this when you can plug in. And they plugged it in the seat, particularly one, one, one I, I don't know if yeah. she was a DAPSI doctor or not, but a chiropractor. She she had a new baby and she wanted to make sure she was protecting the baby and the plan plugged it in. Everybody around psyched her because they asked about that. Exactly. <laughs> it feels better. Yeah, it was I, I, there's so many stories that I've heard like that. And and once again, don't 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 be afraid. Be aware. So when someone tells you something, ask the question. Once you understand the principle, the first principle, air is moving very, very rapidly. Anything it hits, it can have an, if it can take a piece of dust that's larger than five, 10 micron and kick it and make it float in the air, what do you think it's doing with the pathogens? They parasites. Absolutely. By the way, I did buy that book that you told me about, guys, and I'm reading it now. Okay. And the other one is Survival of the Sickest. I love reading about parasites because it's so amazing how they insidious what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I encourage you. I'll also push on your mold thing. More people understand it. Yeah. it allopathic medicine doesn't doesn't address it. And they're, they're giving people the wrong thing to try to attack a, a, a compromise of the immune system. And it's you guys know that. So. Anything else? That's why we wanted you on the show, Mike. We thank you for it. We appreciate that. <laughs> Fountain of knowledge. Thank you. Thank, you. Yeah, thank you so man. much. Layman's done a lot of research. Yeah, you if, Remember, on something like this, you have the world's knowledge. Exactly. Try it. Use it. Ask exactly. the questions. Yep. Okay? All right. Bless thank, thanks, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Docera Digest podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all the episodes and show notes over at doceralifecenter.com. While you're on the website, also be sure to check out the blog where you'll find videos and articles to help you proactively rebalance your health.